0: In the last lesson of Seerah, we're looking at the first Hijrah, the first migration of the Muslims to Ard al-Habasha, to Abyssinia. And we said this was the first Hijrah, the migration of the Muslims, because there were two Hijrah, right, or three in total. The first one was to wear Abyssinia, and the second one was to wear Abyssinia. So in last week's lesson, we looked at which Hijrah Hijrah to Thaniya. We looked at the second Hijrah of the Muslims to Abyssinia. Without looking at in details the first Hijrah of the Muslims to Abyssinia. As for the reason they went on the first Hijrah, all of us know the reason due to the persecution and the torture. But what we want to know now is why did they go back to Mecca in order to do that second Hijrah which we spoke about last week in which Abdullah Ibn Rabi'ah and Abu As, they were sent by the Quraysh to bring them back. So the question is, why did they go back to Makkah in order to make that second hijrah, which we spoke about last week? So we're going to go back to the first hijrah, and then we'll continue from the second hijrah, inshallah. ta'ala. As for the first hijrah, the reasons are obvious, the torture, the persecution. But why did they go back to Makkah in order to make the second hijrah? The reason they went back to Makkah was due to a great incident that happened at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that happened in sana khamisah ba'd al that happened in the fifth year of the Prophethood of Prophet Sallallahu in the fifth year of the Prophethood of the Sallu, Ramadan, in the month of Ramadan, while the Muslims had already gone to Habasha, while they're gone to Abyssinia, they' left in Rajab. And in the fifth year in the same fifth year of Ramadan, an incident happened while they were in Abyssinia. And it was this incident, this amazing incident that happened that brought them back from Abyssinia back to Mecca again. So, in Ramadan, amazing incident happened. And that was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed upon his Prophet wasalam, a surah. When this surah came down, the Prophet wasalam, went to the Kaaba. And he read this surah to the mushrikeen. And this surah, when they heard it from the mouth of the Prophet, wasalam, they listened so attentively as though there was a bird on their head, perched on their head. This surah, it came down upon the hearts of the mushrikeen kasawaik. Like lightning upon their hearts, they stood attentively without cutting off the Prophet sallallahu interrupting him, arguing with him, and they listened attentively. And that surah that came down the month of Ramadan in the fifth year of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was Surah to Najm. So the Prophet sallallahu went to stakada and said and started to recite to the Mushikini "When Najmi Hawa." Allah subhanahu wa taala said, "I swear by the stars." As it descends. Your companion Muhammad sallallahu alayhi has not strayed nor as he heard. Gone as nor has he heard. It doesn't speak from his own desires. This is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam continue to recite this surah unto the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the saying of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afamin hadha is it concerning this hadith this narration or the saying of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this qur'an ta'jabun that you wonder and you laugh and you don't weep instead wa antum and you're sporting then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then the surah said, فَسْجُدُوا lillahi wa'abudu. Postrate to Allah and worship Him. At this moment, the Prophet sallallahu wasallam he went down in sujood. And not only did the Prophet sallallahu wasallam go down in sujood, every single one of the mushrikeen, they prostrated with the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. This how much this ayat it hit them. They went down in sujood with the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. There was not a single mushrik that stood up All of them were in sujood except for one of the mushrikeen, and that was Umayyah ibn Khalaf. And who's Umayyah ibn Khalaf? It was the slave owner of Bilal radiallahu anhu. I used to torture Bilal. As for Umayyah ibn Khalaf, he was the only one still standing. He put his hand into the dust and he put it on his forehead and said, That's enough for me. That's as far as I'm going to go. So when this incident happened, it's an amazing incident that spread like wildfire. Amazing. The order of Mishikin, Due to the recitation Of the Prophet Sallallahu so Alaihi to Najm And the order of Allah Azzawajal, Went into sujood There's some stories That have been narrated Called Qissa Al-Gharaniq That the Prophet ﷺ, While he was reciting it He mentioned When Allah Ta'ala says That when Allah Ta'ala said that That the Prophet Sallallahu These are the highest gods These narrations The weak the Prophet Sallallahu never said such a thing. When this incident happened, it spread like wildfire amongst the Arabs. And beyond the land of the Arabs all the way to where? Abyssinia. And with stories and narrations and incidences, the more people there are in the incident or in the chain of narration, the weaker the story becomes. The more things are added and the more things are subtracted from that particular story. So now, the more people that are narrating it, narrating it, narrating it, by the time we reach Abyssinia, something was added to it. And that was added to it was what? The Kuffar of Quraysh, they've all become Muslims. So based on this, the Muslims went back to Mecca. And they realized it was not the truth. In fact, whilst they were away, they increased in their transgression against the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba. Because when they came back, they found the Prophet ﷺ once Alaihi Wasallam Kaaba during Tawaf, and the Mushikin, they gathered together and they surrounded the Prophet ﷺ. And they had an intent to harm him on this particular day. So they said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Are you the one that insults our gods, ridicule our intellect?" Divide our community, call to your religion, and every single question the Prophet said, Naam, I'm the one, I'm the one. And this enraged them. At this point, some of them started to push the Prophet ﷺ. Some of them started to hit the Prophet ﷺ. And one of them actually began to spit on the Prophet ﷺ. And Ibn Mu'id, he grabbed the Prophet ﷺ by his collar and started to strangle the Prophet ﷺ. At this point, a young man she ran to call Abu Bakr as Siddiq and he started to push them off the Prophet anh, saying to them, Are you going to kill a man just because he says, My Lord is Allah? At this point, their attention went from the Prophet anh, to Abu Bakr as Siddiq. We mentioned this incident before that they turned to Abu Bakr as Siddiq and they beat him so severely, he passed out. Abu Bakr al Sadiq had to be carried on on a stretcher, and his family were sure he's going to die from this beating. After this incident, the Muslims just realized they've not changed the toe; they went back to Abu al to Abyssinia. This is how the second hijrah it happened. Now, after the second hijrah, in which they couldn't bring back the Muslim, Amr bin As and Abdullah bin Rabi'ah, when they came back to Mecca, they increased in transgressions. To the point that Abu Bakr al Sadiq, with all the protection he had, the strong time, Banu Tamim, because Banu Tamim. When the first incident happened, they went to the Kaaba and they said, If Abu Bakr is killed, we're going to kill. Who did they say they are going to kill? Huh? Who? Utbah. We're going to kill Utbah. So he had a strong tribe. But despite the strength of his tribe, their transgression against Abu Bakr increased. Then they said, Realizing Abu Bakr's Aisha had described him, he had a soft, soft heart. When he recited the Quran, he used to cry. And when he cried, people became affected. From the mushrikeen, the slaves, the free slaves, the men, the women, they used to gather around Abu Bakr. And the Quraysh, realizing the effect Abu Bakr was having upon them, they started to harm him. So Abu Bakr Sadiq, he reached a stage with him. He said, I'm making hijrah. He also decided to leave. And upon leaving, a man came to Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, from the mushrikeen. But it was from the Sayyid of the mushrikeen, from the nobles of the mushrikeen, the aristocrats of Quraysh. And he said, أين يا Abu Bakr, where are you going, Abu Bakr? Abu Bakr said to him, Your people, adhani. your people are harming me. Have to leave. And the man said to Abu Bakr, Siddiq, Rajallahua An, Myth Luqa the likes of you, Abu Bakr, are going to leave us. And then he started to say to Abu Bakr, Rajalla An, you cannot leave us. Because you, Abu Bakr, you keep the ties of kinship. You aid the weak. The same exact description that the Prophet wa sallam, was given by who? By Khadija, he said likes of you, the likes of you could never leave. So Malik ibn ibn was a mushrik. He went and he pronounced to the Quraysh, lahu. Abu Bakr from today is under my protection. And this was a aadah, this was a habit or custom in Jahiliya amongst the Arabs. That you could take ijar or protection from somebody. Or be under his jurisdiction that nobody could touch him. Later on, Islam came to sanction or agree with this habit or this, or this tradition of Al-Ijara. And the modern day terminology for Ijara is what? A visa. Meaning, if somebody, even if it's from the enemies of Allah and His Rasul, His people are from their enemies, and they're fighting, killing, persecuting the Muslims, and it came from the land of the enemies of the Muslims, that are killing, persecuting, torturing Muslims, wherever they might, that may be, and it comes to the land of the Muslims, like Qatar, for example, and Habib here says, I'm his protector, he's under my protection, he's under my jurisdiction. It is impermissible for any of us to harm that person. Even if it comes from the land of the enemies, even if it comes from a place where they're slaughtering Muslims day and night. So long as a Muslim says he's under my protection, the Prophet ﷺ said, Man la yara al-jannah. Whoever kills a person who has a covenant with the Muslim or the Muslims, he will not smell the fragrance of Jannah. So any non-Muslim who comes into the land of the Muslim, no matter what country he comes from, it is not permissible to harm him. It's not permissible to kill him. So therefore, this shows the justice of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That does it state it in your in their work visa. Is there such a thing in their work visa? There's no such thing. But we as Muslims, our morals and our characters, not determined by only what's written, but determined by the Book of Allah and the Sunnah, the Prophet Wasallam, what we know to be right. Because you get Muslims that say, you know what? It's not in their visa. They haven't signed a contract. Nah. A contract could be customs and habits. From contracts, for example, across the road, and you say to me, you've not signed anything with me, so you knock me down. I say, well, I didn't sign it. I didn't say I'm not going to knock you down. But by customs and tradition, you doing this or flashing me means cross. So Malik the ghinna he gave Abu Bakr al-Siddiq this ijarah, this protection. But the Quraysh said with a condition. And that condition is Abu Bakr يعتزل. He stays in solitary, in solitary confinement when he worships, meaning in his house. So house arrest is not new. It's not a new thing. It's not a new concept. He stays in his house when he wants to worship. So they built for Abu Bakr as within his compound, a masjid. And he was reciting within his compound and praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But so emotional, so moving was the recitation of Abu Bakr. The slaves, the freed one, the slaves themselves, the women, the children, they'll gather around the compound, Abu Bakr to hear that recitation. And they'll get it affected. So Abu, the Quraysh went back to Malik al dil They say, yes, he's fulfilled this contract. We've not touched him at all. Because this is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It should be recited and said everywhere. But Abu Bakr had a, he had a what? A contract. And he had to fulfill his contract. Not as like some Muslims say today. They say, you know what? At the end of the day, Allah's word is the utmost. So they might be in a gathering or in a community of a people or non-Muslims. And the time of salah comes. And they don't prevent you from doing the salah. But you say, no. We have to make the adhan, ya Sunnah. I know in England, brothers that will be in communities of non Muslims, they could be in supermarkets, Tesco, Sainsbury's, wherever. That to them, the adhan, sunnah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And non Muslims complain, say, "We are you complaining for? This is the word of Allah Azza wa Jalla. You have no right to complain. In non Muslim countries, some of them like Africa, for example, some African countries, East Africa where I live, the adhan in some places is so loud. I live in Abu Hamur. You could hear from here, the Adhan in Abu Hamur. So imagine the people living in Abu Hamur. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, he honored his contract. So they couldn't do anything. But they said, now they gathered around his compound. Now we don't want to pray in this compound. Go in his house and pray. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, he went to Malik ibn ghinna and he said, "BarakAllahu Allah, feeth. thank you very much for your protection. aktafi bi I'll suffice myself with Allah's protection. I could not fulfill this condition. So if there's a condition you could not fulfill, you say it and you leave the contract, but you don't break it whilst you're in the contract. I could not fulfill this condition. So the harms of the mushrikeen, it increased. Not only against Abu Bakr as-Sadiq, even against the Prophet sallallahu And in the midst of all these harms, all these trials and tribulation after the second hijrah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favor came down upon the believers. The ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa minnatullah with the islam of two men that caused a great paradigm shift the islam of two men in the midst of this in the sixth year of the prophethood of the prophet sallallahu in Dil hijjah an incident happened and that incident was the prophet sallallahu again was at the kaaba and he started to debate with abu jahal but this debate on this occasion became extremely heated so abu jahal he picked up a piece of stone and he threw it in the face of the prophet sallallahu and they injured and split the face of the Prophet. ﷺ. A maid that witnessed this she ran to Hamza, the uncle and the brother of the Prophet, ﷺ, through breastfeeding. And Hamza was coming back from hunting. Hamza was known as a hunter. He used to hunt by himself in the desert. And he was known as Asad al Quraysh, the lion of Quraysh. When he was coming back, he had his bow and his arrow in his hand. And when this maid told him this, Hamza, anh, he ran to the gathering of Abu Jahal. Abu Jahal left the Kaaba. He was amongst his companions in their club. So Hamza, anh, he went to Abu Jahal and he insulted him with such a bad word. And then he said to him, You dare to insult my, the son of my brother, meaning my will, my nephew, and I am upon his religion? Hamza radiyallahu an, he took his bow and he struck Abu Jahal in his head till his head split. He split his head. At this point, Banu Makhzum because he's in their area now, he stood up. And we came to the support of Hamza? Banu Hashim. So now there was a standoff, a off between Banu Hashim and Banu Makhzum At this point, Abu Jahal, he stood up and he said, leave him. Da'u Abu Umar, leave Abu Umar for i insulted his nephew in a bad way to avoid war because he looks with a far sight abu Jahan. that our issue now is not between banu Makhzum and banu hashim It's between Bid-Wu. us and the muslims let's put our differences aside look at how far he looks into things that unfortunately some of the muslims can't even think like this that forget that that's a small issue the real enemy is muhammad and also, one we learn from this is the strength and the power of blood. They say blood is thicker than water. Because what caused Hamza to go there was what? Chauvinism and the fact that this is his family. How could you do that to my family? That they say, based on this, never, ever, ever cut the ties of kinship. Ever. Because that tie of kinship, you have no idea when. Not only is it going to benefit you, but benefit the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are people today that fight for the rights of Muslims, not because they're Muslims, because their families are Muslims. And their family, they've seen the goodness Islam has done for them. So Hamza radiallahu anhu, he said, how could you do insult him upon his deen? Now the thing that struck the Muslims is not the fact that he hit Abu Jahad, the fact that Hamza, the Asad al Quraish, say I'm upon his deen. This is the thing that struck the Muslims. And later on, Hamza an began to reflect upon his statement. Because he didn't say it truthfully. He's not upon the deen of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he started to reflect upon his statement. Then he went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I said something which was not truthful. Ud'u Pray to Allah for me. and yashra hasadri lil-islam. To expand my chest to Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ, He made dua for Hamza And Hamza accepted Islam wholeheartedly heartedly In full conviction And when Hamza عن, When he accepted Islam At this point The Mushrikeen The polytheists, They could never ever harm The Muslims in the presence of Hamza That was a victory When Hamza was there Nothing could happen When Hamza was there Now when Hamza accepted Islam Three days later In the Hijjah Another victory for Islam came, which caused a paradigm shift. And that was Islam of al farooq Umar ibn al-Khattab, anh, Three days later. And Umar ibn al an was such a great is Islam was such a great thing for the Muslims. Because not only due to the strength, the braveness of Umar, anh, but due to how impossible for them to accept that Umar become a Muslim. Because Umar radiallahu anh, prior to Islam Used to be from those who tortured, persecuted the Muslims And they feared him greatly Umar radiallahu anh, Before before Islam He used to persecute the Muslims But there were signs and indications And one of those signs and indications Was the dua of the Prophet wasallam That Allah, please guide Ahabu Umarain The most beloved of the two Umar And there were two Umar There was Umar, who is who? Abu Jahl. And Umar ibn al-Khattab. So the Prophet said, guide which one of them is most beloved to you. Secondly, this Umar, there were signs and indications, even though people thought you would never become a Muslim. And one of those signs and indications was, when the Muslims were going to Habasha, there was a sahabiyya, and name was Ummah Abdullah. Ummah Abdullah, when she was leading to go to Ard al-Habasha, Umar saw her, and he saw the Muslim, the, the weak, and those who've been expelled and been tortured. So Umar went to her, and he said, "Ila'in, where are you going? She said, your people have armed us, tortured us, kicked us out of our land. We're going to Abdul habasha She didn't say you, he said you. Umar an, he looked at her with pity, sympathy, and he said to her, sahibakumullah, may Allah be in your company. Umar actually made dua for her. She was shocked. When her husband came back, Umar Abu Abdullah. She said to him, لَوْرَأَيْتَ Umar, If you had seen Umar, رَأْفَتَهُ وَرِفْقَهُ His gentleness, his pity and sympathy if you had only seen Umar. Abu Abdullah Umar said, Wallahi, لَوْ aslama حِمَارُ Umar. لَمْ yuslim عُمَرَ By Allah. If the donkey of Umar became a Muslim, Umar would not become a Muslim. This is how far it was from their mind. SubhanAllah. And this shows it's not befitting. In fact, it's not permissible to ever give up concerning the guidance of any Muslims. No matter what is reached from sins, disobedience of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's a first. a fajr. And that goes to our children, our wives. Don't ever give up. And the kufr of a kafir. Don't ever give up that a person will never become a Muslim. Because when we're talking about the hijra al-habasha, one of the leaders of the Quraysh, the Mushikin, the emissaries they sent to bring back the Muslim Wuzhoub. Amr bin As, who later on became from the best of the Sahaba and the leaders of the Muslims. The Amr bin As, he had this leadership quality from Jahiliyyah. And they said, born leaders are 2%. Leaders are usually made, but he was one of those born leaders. The Umar, anh, said, La Amr bin As is not befittingly walks upon the face of the earth except as a leader. He's always going to be a leader. Amr ibn As, look at how much he persecuted the Muslims and did everything to harm the Muslims, but yet became from the best of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he's the one understanding how much he hurt and persecuted the Muslims, that when he gave his pledge of allegiance to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he took his hand out of the hand of the Prophet He said, I'm not going to accept Islam, accept Ashtarit with a condition. And what is that condition the Prophet ﷺ asked him? He said, That Allah Ta'ala forgives me my previous sins, what I did to harm the Muslims. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Do you not know Islam destroys everything that came before it? You're forgiven. So Umar bin Khattab, they never thought he would become a Muslim. And even the way he became a Muslim was due to his enmity of the Prophet. Wasallam. There's many riwayat, many narrations concerning the Islam of Umar in detail. But most of these narrations, they're not authentic. So we're gonna go with a general, which is authentic. And that was generally what had happened was Umar radiallahu anhu, he left his home with intention to go assassinate the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So Umar, he left his home and his sword was on sheath. So people don't walk around with swords which are exposed in the streets. So Umar radiallahu anhu, as he was walking, he bumped into an individual. And this individual, asked Umar عنه, where are you going Umar? And he said to Umar, Umar رضي الله عنه, he said to him, I am going to kill Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم. So he's actually going to assassinate the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. And this individual, he said to him, okay, if you do that, now there's a reason for Umar. What are you going to do? With Banu Zuhra and Banu Hashim. Because if you kill him, Banu Zuhra and Ben Hashim will come for you. So now, Omar looked at this individual. Because it's true. Banu Zuhra, the mother of the Prophet's tribe. And Banu Hashim, the father's tribe. They will come for you. So Omar looked at this person in anger. He said, So that's It was a derogatory term they use for Muslims. That you've become one of them, haven't you? You're one of the Muslims now. Because he saw that statement as defending the Prophet. So this person now, he knows the anger of Umar and the rage of Umar. So he diverted Umar. He said, Should I not show you Shaykh şey A'jab bin dhalik? Should I not show you something more stranger than that? More amazing that you think i become a Muslim? He said, Your sister Fatima bin Khattab and your brother in law, who was his cousin at the same time, Saeed ibn Zayd, one Ashmi Bashari bin Jannah. He said, Both of them, they become Muslims. So Umar, that set him on a diversion. He was going to the Prophet ﷺ to kill him. Now he said, SubhanAllah, my own family. So now Umar an, he started to go to the house of his sister and he knocked on the door. But before knocking on the door, they said, Umar, an, he heard a sound. And the sound he heard was Khabbad ibn Ard, reading the Quran to Fatima and to her husband. So he heard a sound before knocking on the door. And then he knocked on the door. When he knocked on the door, they said, It's Ibn Khattab. At this point, he stood up and hid When Umar entered The first thing he asked was What is this sound that I've heard in this house today? What is the sound? So at this point He kept quiet The brother-in-law of Umar The cousin of Umar So Umar said to him Na'an lakuma. So back to him Maybe both of you You're my sister You become Muslims In a derogatory way And then Sa'id ibn Zayd said to him, Umar? Um, what do you think? If the truth is in other than your religion. And here, this introductory question to cause Umar to think isn't what? It's a confession that I'm a Muslim, because if you're not a Muslim, say I'm not a Muslim. Umar radiallahu anhu, rajulan aqilan, very intellectual and intelligent person. When he said this statement to him, what do you think if the truth is other than your religion? Umar pounced on him immediately and started to punch him. He, was, he had him on the floor. Now the sister Umar she jumped, on she jumped on Umar to get Umar off her husband. And this is a natural instinct they say in a woman. Even if her and her husband are arguing and they're fighting and you go, and I've seen this so many times, to defend her and you go as far as hitting the husband, she will attack you, even though you're defending her. So the natural instinct was to grab Umar. So Umar, he flanned and he hit her in her face. And when he hit her in her face, he caused her face to bleed. At this point, Umar radiallahu anh, he became embarrassed and he thought about his action, he paused. And when he paused, he said to his sister, or oh, before saying to his sister His sister due to women's emotion likewise She exploded She exposed everything Because women when they're They emotionally, don't care about the consequence anymore She said Na'am, The truth is other than your religion wa an la Allah, wa anna Rasulullah. She exploded on Umar So Umar said Show me what you were reading before She said la, innaka najis. You're impure You're, not, you're uh, filthy You cannot read it until you go and take a bath So Umar anh, he went into took a bath and he read Surah Taha. At that point, he said, Muhammad. Show me Muhammad Show me Wasallam. At this point, Khabab bin Arat came out of his hiding. <laughs> and he said, I'll take you to Muhammad Sallallahu But his sword was still what? On sheep. And he went to the Prophet وسلم, to die Arqam Ibn Abi Arqam. So when the Sahab they see Umar approaching with a sword at the same time, they ran in and they told the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Umar is approaching. And they told Hamza, and they said, if he wants evil, we reply with evil. If he wants good, we reply with good. As Umar, radiallahu ta'ala, and he entered upon the Prophet, alayhi wasallam, the Prophet alayhi wasallam, immediately he grabbed him and he started to shake Umar. Imagine Umar. The Prophet alayhi wasallam, started to shake him and said, Ammal al ana ya ibn Khattab and to At As the time not reach, Ibn Khattab, he become Muslim. Allah takshya ibn Khattab. Do you not fear, Ibn Khattab? Do you not fear Allah will send down upon you that which he sent down upon walid ibn And When Allah Ta'ala sent upon walid ibn Leave me alone with the one I created alone Waleed ibn These ayat was set down upon Walid. Do you not fear this thing was set down for you? At this point, umar radiyallahu ta'ala an, he accepted an islam and from that day onwards, Abdullah bin Mas'ud said, Ma we remained honored today because of the Islam of umar radiyallahu ta'ala because things changed tremendously. Because usually, even though the Prophet was calling openly, the Muslims they didn't make their deen manifest or call to their deen openly or say, I become a Muslim. But the Islam of Umar was unique. This is the first time somebody became a Muslim and openly he went to tell everybody, not just everybody. As soon as he took his shahada, he went to the house of Abu Jahl and he knocked upon the house of Abu Jahl and he said, I to, him. I've become a Muslim. Abu Jahl, he looked at Umar and he said, May Allah curse you and what you come with. He slammed the door in the face of Umar. He couldn't do anything else, Umar. So Umar now decided to go to all the noble, the aristocrats of Quraysh and telling them one by one and the same reaction they couldn't do nothing but slam the door in his face but this wasn't enough for Umar so Umar thought, okay I'm going one by one I want to do something that everybody will know so there was a man called Jameen ibn Muammar al-Jumahi this person or this individual was on Instagram, Facebook, BBC, Al Jazeera, CNN all in one, Twitter, human Twitter so Umar, anh, he went to Jameed ibn muammar al Jumahi. He said, baini wa baini, Between me and you. Because he knew his nature. He said, baini wa baini, aslam, Between me and you. As soon as Umar said, Aslam to. He said, Ibn Khattab, Sab'aa, Ibn Khattab, become a common Muslim. And he didn't just shout loud. He was, saying, Kana yajri. He was running and saying it. And Ibn Umar, uh, Umar Khattab was running behind. He said, Kedhebt. you are lie, I slumped, I've become a Muslim. Not so bad. So he kept telling everybody. The whole, just this one person, walking Twitter, the whole of the they knew. And they came to attack Umar. When they attacked Umar, and there's a great many of them, Umar was hitting it, They were hitting him. And Umar, what he did in order to make them back off each and every single time, he grabbed one of them. I can't remember the one of the girl from the Mushrikeen. And he put his finger, he stuck it in his eye, in his eye socket. So now, when they will come near him, he'll stick it in further, they'll back off. The person will scream. But then, the word of Makkah, the villas of uh, the valleys of Makkah were now full of army against Umar alone, the whole army. And one of the nobles of Quraysh, his name was Ibn Wa'il, he came and it was from another tribe, a Suhami tribe. And Umar, what's his tribe? But they had a covenant or treaty with them, to protect them. So you can say, leave Umar An. You know? Because there's whole army waiting for him. They left Umar Rajallahu Then Umar went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he said, why are we hiding? In Dar Arqam, Ibn Abi Arqam. Why are we hiding here for? Are we not upon the truth? Whether we're alive or dead, are we not upon the truth? Why are you hiding here? He said this to the Muslim, why are you not hiding? Come out. At that point, he said the Muslims... They left Arqam ibn Abu Arqam in two rows. One was led by Umar bin Khattab and the other by Hamza. The Mushrikeen was shocked. They went all the way to the Ka'aba for the first time the Tawaf. That the Sahab they said, Umar, al-Islam. With the Islam of Umar, Islam became apparent. We were able to make Tawaf and to sit at the Ka'aba in peace. So these two rows, they went to the Ka'aba and they did a tawaf. Now, they realized we could not physically, with the presence of Umar, and the presence of Hamza harmed the Muslim physically. They took on another strategy. So they tried everything, cold war, house arrest, torture. The strategy, one of the most filthiest and disgusting strategies is what? Blockade and a sanction. But the strange thing with this blockade was, they didn't just blockade the Muslims, they took on a manhaj, a methodology which we think is new. The manhaj of, you're with us or against us. An individual made the statements. the people, it's new, it's not new. So the Quraysh, the Mushrikeen, they said, you Abu Talib, you're not with them as a Muslim, but with anyone who's in your Shi'ab, in, your, in that tribe, and with you, we're sanctioning all of them. You know what the Mushrikeen did? The Mushrikeen, they entered with the Muslims. To be blockaded, the mushrikeen that were one. So they sanctioned everybody, even the mushrikeen was sanctioned from Ben that stayed in the region of Abu Talib. They were all sanctioned. And this sanction was a severe sanction. We're going to speak about inshallah ta'ala next week. So they sanctioned all of them. This is the next step that it took. And it shows, subhanallah, that some of the habits, the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the Arabs. For this deen and their language to spread this deen, they had certain natures in them. And one of them was loyalty, allegiance to tribe. Loyalty and allegiance to tribe. You can't get between them. And even now, contemporarily, they say the Arabs they have a saying. That me and my brother will always get, be against our cousin if I have to choose. Wa ana wa and me and my cousin. Will always be against a stranger if we had to choose. Wallahu ta'ala musta'an. Look at in verse. Allah musta'an. That they had this thing in them. But we know the greatest wala, of course, is wala of what? Al Islam. The greatest wala is wala of Islam. So inshallah ta'ala, we're going to speak next week about this incident of the blockade and also Aam al Huzn, the year of silence of the Prophet which will lead us into tafsir, surah al Duha. SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, wa shalom, la ilaha, wa ta'ala, wa Any questions, inshallah?